uh, just kind of give you a little bit of a big picture of things. Went through my calendar again today, looking at how many Wednesday nights we have until we take the summer break. And basically, we have four Wednesdays in March, April, and May. And so 12 lessons to go. And, and I'm pretty confident you know, I can get it done. All right. Uh, the way it looks so tonight, we'll look at Revelation 9, specifically 9, 10, and 11. Uh, next week, we'll start in Revelation chapter 12. Interesting chapter, uh, the dragon and the women. Uh, the woman, uh, Revelation 13, I'll probably spend two weeks on looking at the two beasts, and then we're going to get into Daniel a little bit and looking at what Dan, because Revelation and Daniel, looking at what Daniel has to say regarding that as well. And then we'll step into Revelation 14 through 18 in April, talking about the seven bowls and the great harlot uh, on the first week, and then the harlot and the beast. Uh, the second Wednesday in April, kind of planning that out, and then looking at the second coming in God's great and and and, and uh, the uh, I got everybody writing here the great judgment, Revelation 19 and 20, the millennium, Revelation 20, as well the final judgment, the New Jerusalem, kind of leaving me two weeks of of cushion in there, so I'm I'm kind of confident that we can get done with this book. Um, Every time I look at it, and I've been studying what I'm going to teach tonight for the last two weeks. I was ready last week, had the outline ready to go. I never, I never uh, printed off with a copier until the night, the day of, but I just changed the date on it, and I did a couple of uh, corrections to my, uh, my typos. All right, always try to pick those up. Not, don't always get them, but uh, anyway, so I've been studying this, and I've gone through Dr. George Wood's notes a couple times. I go through the complete biblical library commentary set, which is mostly from uh, apologist Stanley Horton. A lot of his work is in that. I, I go through his book as well, and, and then other notes that, that I read as well. But uh, uh, just a reminder uh, from two weeks ago, for those that weren't here, the message is online, so I won't spend a lot of time on that. But just a reminder to keep in mind as you're reading through this, uh, to think in an Eastern mindset, not the Western mindset. A Western mindset, by the way, if you weren't here, you can listen to that, but the Western mindset is more, uh, is more linear. It's like, okay, we have a beginning, we have an end, chapters 1 through 22, things happen this way, and uh, you can't do that with Revelation because it jumps all over the place. All right, even, even looking at the seven seals versus the seven trumpets, uh, it's not on your outline. I have a few extra outlines from two weeks ago on the back side of that. Um, look more of, more of a, a holistic viewpoint, uh, which was what John was writing from and, and John writing to, and, and how God put that in his heart to write that way. But hol holistic being basically looking at the whole picture, uh, not in a linear start and finish and everything's in agreement and lined up just perfect. It's not that way. John jumps all around, as I said. He goes from heaven to earth. He goes from the beginning of the tribulation to the end, to the victory that is ours, and, and tries to always paint some light, you know, you know, like this is the judgment, boom. It's really, tr it's, it's tremendous, but then he jumps to the, the end of the, of the seven years. And so keep in mind, once again, the, the, uh, uh, the, the holistic viewpoint versus the linear viewpoint in all that, and that will help you understand some of that. We also covered uh, two weeks ago the first four trumpets and uh, um, basically affecting different parts of the earth, the, the sea, the skies, the rivers, uh, which is what they're all, they're all about, and uh, how that's going to bring not total judgment, but there will be judgment that will be coming as a result of that. Once again, keep in mind the seals were on the scroll. The seals we dealt with the four horses of the apocalypse. Then we dealt with uh, seals four, five, and the visions between as well before we got to the seventh seal that leads into the seven trumpets. I'm hoping I'm not losing you, but uh, uh, the seals um, don't happen like when, when you read about them, it's going to happen in the tribulation period. We're not, and there's going to be, once again, there's going to be a lot of over, overlapping between the seals, the trumpets, and we haven't even covered the bowls yet. Uh, we'll get to the bowls. Uh, another thing that we're going to touch on tonight that we're not given in information on other than what it says is John also saw seven or heard seven thunders. 
And he was about to write down what the seven thunders were. And then he heard the voice from heaven saying, don't do that. And, and, and I, when I get to that, I'll repeat this. But, but that's just to tell us um, we can't be dogmatic in our, um, in our interpretation of Revelation. Because there's things that only God knows that God didn't want even John to share. That's what I'm trying to get at. And so um, I'm always leery of those that say, well, the, the first seal is the, this, you know, and this is this rule, this world leader, and this happened to that person. And I always back off from that because when it comes down to it, you get done studying this book, you're going to still, wow, there's still a lot I don't know. And that's okay because of what I'm going to read to you tonight and, and from that. And so if you brought your Bibles, let's turn uh, to Revelation chapter 8. Um, and I want to cover, I'm going to start with, I'm going to pick up with verse 13 because we didn't get there. That's kind of where I stopped two weeks ago. And verse 13 says, the last verse of, of chapter 8, As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels. In other words, there were four trumpets. When the trumpets sound, there will be ju immediate judgment, thing that go, things that go on. And again, we, we're not told you know, what part of the earth this will take place in. Um, and, and I also know that people have misunderstood or took the eagle as a representation of America. Don't do that, all right? Um, but anyway, um, verse 13 the fourth trumpet of John's vision was followed by a brief interlude where an, where an angel flying, some trend, I think the King James used the word angel, uh, was flying back and forth, no doubt, in midheaven, which brings further warning to the earth. And now the complete biblical library says many manuscripts in most ancient Latin and Syriac translations have eagle instead of angel in that verse. How many have a King James Bible? King James says angel, right? And the NIV, I think, says Says, yeah, it says eagle. Um, the, the, the Greek word for eagle is also used to mean vulture. Interesting. And, and thus one commentator from Harper's New Testament Commentaries, uh, Caird, sees this as a vulture symbolizing judgment and pronouncing these woes upon the inhabitants still living on the earth. Now, whether it's an eagle an angel or a vulture, it really doesn't matter, or possibly even a cherub or a seraph in the form of an eagle, the three, what's emphasized in verse 13 are, is the threefold repetition of woe. Woe, woe, woe. In other words, God wants the world to know that though the first four trumpet judgments were bad, what's coming is worse. And I mentioned that two weeks ago. As we get through the judgments, you know, they start out and it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of devastation and heartache and this going on, that going on. But as things progress, even as the bowls progress, things will get worse, especially the last three and a half years of the seven-year period called the tribulation. The last three and a half years being the great tribulation. All right, and so basically the repetition of woe is for emphasis, and so don't worry about eagle, angel, vulture, cherub, whatever. Um, but what follows is going to be worse. The effects on the physical universe will be striking, unusual, and demonic, as we'll begin to talk about tonight, looking at the fifth and the sixth trumpet. Uh, the, uh, uh, the seventh trumpet will also lead into the seven vials or bowls of God's wrath, which, can be, uh, which will be more complete judgments. And so basically... There's going to be things happening on the earth that no one can hide from, that no one can deny this is divine judgment, all right? And so kind of picking up then in uh, Revelation chapter 9, let me read verses 1 through 12. Revelation 9, 1 through 12, and we're going to end up hopefully reading chapters 10 and 11 if we get as far as I, I want to get tonight, but we'll see. Uh, the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. 
And out of the smoke, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of, of scorpions of the earth. Uh, they, were not, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Look at verse 5. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, check this out, verse 6, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they, had, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. I mean, these were frightening, demonic creatures. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails and stings like scorpions. Three times it's, it's told that they had stings like scorpions. And in their tails, they had power to torment people for five months. So we see torture, agony, suffering, torment. They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon and in Greek, Apollyon. Uh, the first woe is past. Two other woes are yet to come. I'm going to pause right there. We'll pick up in verse 13 of chapter 9. And so the fifth trumpet is the first of the three woes that the angel, the eagle, the vulture was, was declaring the woes. And so the fifth trumpet is the first of the three woes. Uh, these three woes are the last three trumpets. Uh, notice that John, in his writing and, and telling us what's going on, uses more words in the, in, in the woes than he did even in the fifth woe than he did in the first four trumpets. It's very lengthy as he talks about this. In other words, the first four trumpets were judgments from heaven above, but now in, 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 judge, in the uh, trumpets five and six, uh, these, these woes, these judgments come from below the earth, all right, from, from the depths of or the abyss. Now, the fifth trumpet frees the army of the pit or abyss, and what I want to do is go through some notes and talk about that a little bit but then I want to go through just in this portion to talk about what the complete biblical library commentary says as well. Just a little, little add-on, if you will. And so uh, the fifth trumpet frees the army of the pit or the abyss. The abyss is a Greek word that means very deep or too deep to measure. And really, the scriptures teach us uh, several things about the abyss. Let me give you six things quickly about the abyss. Number one, the abyss is the pit where God imprisons demons. Even demons fear the torture of the abyss. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. Remember the, the demons that wanted to go into the swine uh, instead of the abyss? And that's the first reference in Scripture. We have suicide, where the pigs jumped off the cliff and killed themselves. You don't like that one? Deviled ham? That's the other one. Uh, we'll go on. Pork, pigs. Anyway, are you with me tonight? Those listening by, 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 uh, by the internet. And so basically the abyss is where the pit is a pit where God imprisons demons, number one. Number two, the abyss will be Satan's temporary home during the millennium, but not his final home. The devil, the beast, and the false prophet will all be thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Revelation 20, verse 10. Thirdly, the abyss is locked. Now, I didn't know this until I studied this, but the abyss is locked and God keeps the key. God holds the key in heaven. A fallen star angel opens the abyss. Uh, an angel opens the abyss. Um, perhaps he receives the key from the same angel who unlocks the abyss later. But here, here's the deal. If God had not told us that the abyss was locked, we wouldn't have known it. Now, how many knew before tonight... I know mom did. She studied this in detail. But how many knew the abyss was locked and God holds the key? You do now. All right? We know that now. Uh, Satan would have never told us. It must be embarrassing to Satan to be locked out of part of his kingdom. Hallelujah. All right? Four, the abyss is the prison of the beast or Antichrist. 
He is a demon that comes up out of the abyss. On the other hand, Paul calls the Antichrist the man of lawlessness. The Son of God came down from heaven to serve a man in a similar way. Satan's representative comes up from the abyss to rule as man. He either enters a man or becomes a man. Not told. Number five, the abyss is the home of the locusts of the fifth trumpet. Earthly locusts can be a terrible plague. They are about two inches long. They fly in groups that may be like 100 feet long, uh, or excuse me, 100 feet wide by, by four miles long. Think of that. 100, 100 feet wide by four miles long. A cloud of locusts can make the sky look dark. In 1866, a plague of locusts invaded Algeria in northern Africa these insects ate all green grass, plants, leaves, and even the bark on the trees. Over 200,000 people died in the famine that followed. That's natural locusts. Joel describes locusts as God's mighty army. Locusts are small soldiers, but too many to defeat. But the locusts that live in the abyss are not like the locusts of earth. These are demonic locusts that have teeth, stingers, and armor. The life of a locust on earth is, interesting enough, about five months. All right? Likewise, these demonic locusts will torment people for five months. Three times, John emphasizes that they sting like a scorpion. I posted on Facebook today, I have never been stung by a scorpion. I hope never to be stung by a scorpion, but I've killed in the last, I, I kill about yeah, 60 to 75 a year when I go looking for them. Um, the Cortezes, Sean and Sherry, before they left, bought me a black light. And the first time I went outside with a black light in my backyard, Man, and I, I was seeing scorpions in, in McQueen palm trees, the bark and whatever. I was like, there's like more scorpions than you can imagine. And before, I would take a spotlight and I would see them on a wall. And I got a long screwdriver and I would, just, on the spotlight, I would just shine there and just do that. Well, the spotlight, a regular spotlight light uh, would scare them and they go in the cracks of the brick, brick wall. Well, a black light doesn't scare them off. And so you can shine a black light on them and get as close as you want and take that screwdriver and slash them in half. And so I have killed uh, 700 plus uh, scorpions over the years. I remember in the garage one time, this has been two or three years ago, I found a cardboard box just laying in the garage. I mean, it was in there, but in the box, and I was going to throw it away, but in the box I saw a scorpion. On the scorpion's back, it was a mama scorpion that had, I don't know how many, maybe a couple dozen little baby scorpions. Have you ever seen those? It is crazy just to see all these little specks on this mama's back. I, my, I, did, I, okay. I don't like scorpions, and scorpions are good if they're dead. I, you know, I, that's me. There's a purpose for them. I don't know what it is, um, but uh, God created them, so there's a purpose in, in his eternal plan of things. Uh, that's all good and fine. I was quick to grab a can of gas that I keep in the, in the, in the garage and just put it outside the driveway, not in the garage, and just poured it in there, killed them all, all right? And, and, and so one, one shot, I did about 20, I killed about 25 at one time, I'm guessing. But the little guys, you never, I've, I've seen spiders that way too. I don't like spiders, I don't like scorpions, and I don't like snakes. Well, we'll get to the snakes part in, in, as we get to the fifth seal, or the fifth trumpet. But anyway, scorpions, um, I, I go... I go ballistic when I get stung by a bee. Again, true story, probably 10 years ago, where the water faucet, where the water line, the big water thing comes into the building here. We had bees. We, we saw them in the restroom, a few bees flying around. Like, where'd they come from? As the day progressed, more and more bees were coming in, and you start looking. I've had bees at my house. I've had to hire exterminators. I have, I've had them in the wall where you could put your ear against the wall, and you hear the buzzing going on. And so they do a little, little pinhole thing, the, the, the treatment was they put a little pinhole there, they spray this stuff, and within a minute you can't hear the, the buzzing no more. Okay, but just kind of keep your eyes open, especially down here, because they will try to gain access to your house. Just keep your eyes open for activity. But I said all that to say when I get stung by a bee, I, I just like freak out and I, I well up. I'm not allergic to them, 
but I don't like them. In that instance, I got, I got stung like three times because I was trying to, I was trying to spray, spray around the whole thing. And, and, and during the end of the day, it was crazy because that whole pipe was just covered with bees. And so once again, I think we got the exterminator for that one too. We even had it upstairs in the apartment one time and they got into the air conditioner unit. We had to twice, we had to hire an exterminator and have this, what they call poison, I call it poison cheese. These little strips of yellow, whatever they put up there. And the odor of that is very potent and that will kill off whatever and even the queen. Uh, so I said all that to say, these are not bee stings. These are scorpion stings. A scorpion sting, I am told, is like multiple bee stings and the pain. How many have been stung by a scorpion? Um, would you agree that they're painful? You say no? Uh, you're tough, though. You're tough. How many think they're painful? All right. I don't want to know, but, I, but I've heard they're painful, and the pain, I know James, ever since your son-in-law got stung by a scorpion, they came back from vacation, and, and it was in the bed. And so every night, I pull the covers back, and I still look, you know, are there scorpions here? I've never seen one, but that's okay. Every day before I put my shoes on, I always tap them out to make sure there's no scorpions or spiders in my shoes. We live in Arizona. I've been doing that for 20-some years. I have yet to find a scorpion, but I have knocked out a few spiders. All right, just letting you know. Now you can go home and look at your shoes. But uh, anyway, I'm just simply saying a scorpion sting is said to be worse than a bee sting or a wasp sting. In some cases, a scorpion sting can kill people or even small pets. I've heard of that as well. But think about the tribulation now. In these five months of the tribulation, Death will be harder to find than a place to hide on Judgment Day. Suicide will be impossible during these terrible months. People will be screaming, being tormented, being in pain, but the locusts will only sting those who do not have God's seal. Revelation 9.4 A seal or a mark shows ownership. You recall, God seals the 144,000 and all who receive Jesus as Lord. We're going to study more about marks and seals when we come to Revelation 13. But, but think about this. It's, it's really impossible to fully describe how bad these five months will be. All right? I'm just reading what the Word says with the torment, the torture, you know, the pain and everything else going on there. Um, but but it's, think about it this way. Um, it's going to be like an introduction to hell. Five months, though, compared to eternity, is nothing. And so basically what's going on, it is merciful to, of God to show people what hell is like before they choose to go there for five months. After their time on earth, five months, they're more likely returning to the abyss. Point number five, the abyss is the home of the locust of the fifth trumpet. Point number six, the abyss has a king over the demonic locust. Um, he, is an, he is an evil angel named Abaddon in Hebrew, Apollyon in Greek. The name means destroyer. Who is this king? Some think he is Satan. Uh, this does not seem likely. Satan is a ruler of the kingdom of the air. Uh, furthermore, the abyss is locked. Demons inside cannot come out. It seems probable that demons or Satan outside the abyss cannot go into it. Satan has rulers over various areas of his kingdom. Uh, according to Daniel 10, Ephesians 3, uh, therefore the king over the locust is probably in the abyss. Some think an evil angel will become the Antichrist. However, we humans are not certain about matters such as, the, as these. But we are sure that Apollo was worshipped as the Greek god, uh, destroyer. And the word Apollyon is a form of Apollo. Also interesting to note here that the Roman Caesar, Domitian, uh, claimed to be Apollo in the flesh. Now, he, he was the ruler that basically, that, that John probably was talking about, you know, if John was saying is Domitian, the Roman ruler, the king, of, the king of the abyss. We're not sure of all that either. Once again, um, there's speculation going on. And what I'm saying there, we're not, we're not really given that. And so um, let me just cover a little bit of 9, 1 through 12 then from the complete biblical library. Um, when the, now, some of these things will be repetitious, but, but I'll add some more to it. When the fifth angel blew his trumpet, John saw a star which had fallen or had just fallen out of heaven. 
The star was given the key to the, the pit or the shaft of the abyss. Nearly all commentators agree that this is not a little star, but an intelligent being. Uh, most think it was an angel. However, when, uh, there are contrasting views as to the identity of this angel. When the fall occurred is not stated. John uh, saw the star only as a fallen one. Some think the star is Satan. Others think that it's one of his subordinates in the kingdom of darkness. Or possibly some commentators said it could be Abaddon, the angel of the abyss, mentioned in verse 11. Others disagree. Now, the star did not have the, inher the inherent authority to open the abyss. Once again, only God has ultimate authority. Only God. Only Jesus Christ is, is powerful, is, is all-powerful, all right? But it was given to him to open the abyss. The abyss is the abode of the demons where many of them are kept in custody. The pit in the Septuagint of Psalm 54 in the English versions is called the pit or shaft leading to the place of corruption, where the place of corruption means the depths of hell, the place of punishment for sinners. The abyss was considered by the Jews to be a great hollow place within the earth. It's another name for the place of the dead where the King James Version translates, translates it as the deep and it's the parallel to the mention of hell in Acts 2.27. It's also the place where demons dread to be sent, as I mentioned. The beast who is the Antichrist will also come out of the abyss, chapter 11, verse 7, and Satan will be locked up and imprisoned there for a thousand years while Christ reigns on the earth, chapter 20, verse 3. The King James translators called it the bottomless pit because no human eye can plumb the darkness of its depths. Verse 1, verse 2, the shaft leading into the abyss is locked on the outside so that whoever or whatever is inside cannot escape. However, when the star opened the pit or the shaft of the abyss, John saw a cloud of smoke come out of it great enough to darken the air and the sun. Though the Bible doesn't say so, this would seem to indicate there was a fire in the abyss. So it's probable, uh, even, even looking at the Hebrew word Sheol, S-H-E-O-L, as in number 16, Job 17, and the Greek word Hades, which is in the New Testament, is always a place of punishment. Jesus described it as a place where fires, where the flames of fire torment sinners. Some, however, believe that there are several compartments and that Hades and the abyss are separated but connected. Coming up, verse 3, coming up out of the smoke that spread across the world was a, a terrifying cloud of locusts. Uh, you recall that God used locusts as a plague on Egypt, but again, this plague, the fifth trumpet, will be much worse than the one in ancient Egypt where God used locusts as his judgment in Exodus chapter 10. These locusts, though, were given power like that of the earth scorpions that came out of the abyss, the bottomless pit. These are not ordinary locusts, but demons released at this time to let people know of a holy God and how God, being his holy, demands justice on sin. John's description in verses 7 through 10 shows they, they were not like locusts as we know them. It must be because they're even though they're called locusts, not because of form, but it's the, it's the nature of locusts to devour and destroy, all right, to cause as much harm as they can. Uh, neither were they in the form of scorpions that are so common to the land of Israel as well as Arizona, often hiding under stones in the fields. These locusts have power to cause pain, torment, and misery like that of scorpions. The Bible mentions the power of their poisonous stings and uses them as a symbol of evil, especially spiritual evil. Uh, verse 4, ordinary locusts destroy grass, green plants, and strip trees of their leaves. They come in a cloud that settles down on cultivated land and moves through the fields and orchards, uh, denuding all vegetation. The fact that these locusts are told not to do so shows even more clearly that they are different from any other locusts that have appeared on the earth. Their purpose, once again, will be to injure, to hurt, and to damage human beings. Uh, the Bible does not say who gives them their orders, but their orders also, the orders limit their activity. Their, their target is limited and their time is limited. 
They are not to hurt those who have the seal of God on their foreheads. This limitation is a reminder how, of how God has limited uh, power even, even over Satan and with Job. You know, God gave him, if you will, or God gave Satan a leash to do a certain amount of things, but all power still belongs to God. Always remember that Satan is a created being with limited power. Satan is not God's equal. Satan is not God's equal, all right? Uh, God has ultimate control always and therefore, uh, and, and therefore controls all he allows during this period of the tribulation judgments. John, you recall, has already identified those who have the seal of God in their foreheads as 144,000 of the tribes of Israel. At this point, they are protected from the torments of these demonic locusts. Therefore, these people are still present on earth. Some believe they have made converts uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and these converts have either been raptured or martyred or also have been sealed with the same sealing on the forehead. Verse 5, two further limitations are put on these demonic locusts. They are limited in what they can do. They, can, words, they, they were told not to kill anyone. They are limited as to the time they can stay on earth. They can only torment and torture mankind with a sting of that like a scorpion for five months. Um, if, if you're being stung by a scorpion for five months, uh, you, you might get tired of it. All right. I can still recall the bee stings. I remember in Iowa one time I was trimming lilac bushes and out of the ground was a hornet's nest. And when I was trimming this bush, I, I did something, but they came after me. And, and I had lots of bees inside my shirt that were stinging, and I started yelling and screaming. And I, I ripped my T-shirt off, and I said, Jill, they're getting me, they're getting me. And, and I had several bee stings at one time, one of the worst times I've had. Uh, that was just bees, not scorpions, all right? But uh, anyway, they are limited. Uh, they cannot kill anyone, and for five months. Um, in the Bible, repetition of the same idea in different words is common means of emphasis. Not only are these demonic locusts commanded not to kill anyone, but people will seek death with a desire to die and bring an end to the dreadful pain and agony, and they will attempt to do so. But as the word says, uh, even attempts at suicide will not succeed. Death keeps fleeing from them and keeps running away from them. In other words, they escape death because death escapes them. Uh, it seems there is also no place to hide from the stings of these demon locusts as spirit beings. No wall can stop them. No man-made lock can keep them out. Their sting is not arbitrary or senseless torture, or their sting is not arbitrary or senseless torture of her. It is rather another warning and another opportunity for people to repent and turn to God. Always keep in mind, even in the judgments, God wants people to repent and receive forgiveness and salvation. But as we know from chapter 9, 20, and 21, these people do not respond to God's call, even to repentance, that being a desire on the heart of God, always on the heart of God, as we talked and as I finished with two weeks ago. Uh, chapter 9, verse 7, Joel 2 describes the locust plague in terms of an army where they appear like horses. Joel, however, was talking about real locusts, which God identified as my great army. So the language Joel used to describe them is symbolic. These demonic locusts that John saw look like war horses arrayed and prepared for battle, which means to indicate they were quite large. On their heads, John saw something like crowns that looked like gold, but they are not real crowns, nor are they real gold. Uh, one commentator suggests they are symbolic and point to the fact that they will succeed in what they are allowed to do. Others suggest that these are false crowns symbolizing uh, the way demonic powers entice people with false promises just as Satan tempted Jesus with a promise of the kingdoms of the world. However, there is no indication of such promises. People only seek death. Their faces quite 
unlike the faces of real locusts, had the appearance of intelligent human beings. Their intelligence, though, must be evil and demonic, however, and as such a combination of the animal and human in their appearance would also be terrifying if you were to see them. John chapter 9, verse 8 further described the locust as being covered with hair like woman's hair. Some see this as an allusion to the long antennae of the locust. Others, especially among older commentators, suppose it means these demonic creatures will stir up sins against women. Don't know for sure. Their teeth, like a lion, speaks of destruction. That is, these demon locusts will be capable of rending and destroying like a lion, but they're not allowed to do so. So if they're not allowed to kill and only torture, think about the, the intimidation factor that's going on during this time because the hurt comes from their scorpion-like tails. Nonetheless, the lion-like teeth add to the fierceness and terror of their appearance. I, for one, am glad I won't be around to experience that. How about you? <coughs> verse, <clears throat> verse 9, chapter 9. Uh, the invincibility of these demon locusts is further indicated by their breastplates of iron. No ordinary weapon, no weapon available to mankind can stop, kill, or destroy them. They, in other words, these, these demon locusts have no vulnerable spot. The language is like that of Joel chapter 2, 4 through 8, uh, which says, Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains, they shall leap like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble as strong people set in battle array. Remember, Joel also prophesied about the day of the Lord. And then John also talks about the beating of the wings of these uh, thousands of demon locusts makes such a great whirring noise that John can only describe it as the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. And it goes on, verse 10, The tails of these demon locusts have stings and are able to inflict pain in the same manner as real scorpions. Again, John drew attention to the fact that the poison will hurt, injure, the poison of the scorpions will hurt, injure, torture, and damage, but not kill, and emphasize that their power and authority to do this will continue for five months. Then they will be gone, no doubt, back to the abyss. Some believe that since these are demons from the pit of hell, or the abyss, I should say, their strange appearance is a special creation of God for the purpose of using them for judgment. Other, others believe that as demons, they are spirit beings invisible to people on earth. However, John was using this language as a way of describing their spirit character and nature and as a way of impressing on the readers the terrible suffering these demons impose on mankind. The language here indicates that this is the way John saw them in his vision. If the language is symbolic, it represents reality, and the reality it represents will be indeed uh, come upon people who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. And then a couple more verses here. It's about done. These, that these are not real locusts is further indicated by the fact that they have a king over them. In contrast to locusts that have no king, all right? The king is the angel of the abyss. Some have thought this angel is the one who presided over the pit or shaft of the abyss or bottomless pit. Uh, perhaps the best explanation, according to this commentator, is that the king, as well as the angel of verse 1, is Satan or the destroyer of John 10.10. 10. I, I, the other commentator kind of disagree with that. The, the angel king of these demon locusts name is the Hebrew Avedon. It's also found in Job 26, 28, Psalm 86, and Proverbs 15. In all these places, it means destruction, the place of destruction, the realm of the wicked dead. In the Septuagint, it is usually translated by uh, the Greek word for destruction. But John gave a translation that applies to this angel that rules over these demon locusts. Apollyon, meaning the destroyer. Now, final verse, verse 12, John now moved in his vision to the end of the five months of torture by these demon locusts. They are gone. Their ultimate destination will be the lake of fire that is prepared for the devil and his angels. So basically what's going on is the first of the three woes uh, is now past. Two more to come, and it's implied as the woes continue that they will get worse. In other words, the second woe will be introduced by the sixth trumpet. The third woe will be introduced by the seventh trumpet, which will then lead into the seven bowls or vials of God's wrath. Now that is from the complete biblical library commentary that I also read 
uh, as I'm going through all this, because every verse is, has, you know, whatever paragraphs that you'd pick that. Let's go on in Revelation chapter 9 and read verse 13 on. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates and the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released. Very specific. God keeps his own timetable. Day, hour, month, year. I mean, very, very specific here. Uh, to kill then uh, was released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. The horse, now check this out. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed. Check that out. One in, one in three people you see are going to be dead because of this. A third of mankind uh, was killed by the, the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. Fire, some were burned. Smoke, uh, smoke inhalation, you know, just trying to breathe, you know, being cut off from that. And sulfur, the, the, the poisonous gas, if you will, released coming out of their mouths. That's just crazy. A third of the mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails. This is interesting. For their tails were like snakes having heads with which they inflict injury. Verse 20, the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands they did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, and bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Now, let's jump into the sixth seal, or the sixth, excuse me, the sixth trumpet. The sixth trumpet affects the lives of unbelievers. Point number F, and I won't get done tonight. I will hopefully get done with this one. The fifth trumpet, you recall, loosed the army of the abyss. The sixth trumpet looses the army associated with the Euphrates River. This river is 1,700 miles long. It's mentioned as early as Genesis chapter 2, verse 14. In ancient times, it was the northern boundary of Israel. Uh, the Euphrates has long been associated with conquest. The capital of Babylon was on the Euphrates. Both Babylon and Assyria came through the Euphrates Valley to conquer Israel. The sixth trumpet will call a great army from the direction of the Euphrates. Now, while demon locusts could only torture people, this army will kill one-third of those on the earth. Now, if the tribulation started today, about 2 billion people would die from just the sixth trumpet. Now, how does the sixth trumpet relate to the fourth seal? Recall that the fourth seal told us that a fourth of mankind would die. A fourth of mankind. It, it, it said that they would be killed by the sword, famine, plague, and wild beasts, Revelation 6, 8. Do the two billion, the one-third, who die from the sixth trumpet judgment include those referred in the fourth seal? Answer, probably not. It appears that the victims of the fourth seal are different from those of the sixth trumpet. The sixth trumpet seems to be a specific plague. Without the help of sword, famine, and wild beast, the sixth trumpet plague kills a third of the earth. Imagine, once again, one out of every three people dying. From the fifth trumpet through the seven bowls, the plagues continue to be very, very severe. Did John and Ezekiel see the same army? 
Ezekiel prophesied that a great army would attack Israel from the north. Ezekiel 38 and 39. The army that Ezekiel saw was not successful. God destroyed that army. But the army that John saw was successful. Therefore, we conclude that Ezekiel and John saw different armies. We'll study more about Ezekiel's army in weeks ahead. Now, where does the army of two million come from? Was John describing a human army? It's possible. China now boasts an army of two million soldiers. Think about that. John said the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, verse 17 of chapter 9. The comparison to lions could describe the boldness and the fierceness of the horses. However, there are several reasons why we think the army John saw was not, check this out, was not a human army. Five reasons why. Number one, the leaders of the army were evil angels. It's possible that these angels could stir up a human army, but it's more likely that evil angels command a demonic army. Number two, trumpets one through four announced plagues from heaven above. Trumpets five and six seem to announce plagues from Hades below. Trumpets one through four from heaven above. Trumpets five and six from Hades below. All right, point number two. Point number three, the locusts tormented with tails like scorpions. Three times we talked about that in chapter nine. The horses peeled with tails like snakes. Tails like scorpions and snakes link the locusts and horses with the devil, not humans. Recall, and I've never put this together until the last couple of weeks. Recall the Lord's words about snakes and scorpions in Luke chapter 10, 17 through 19. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Have you ever connected those two? I never have, honestly. I have given you authority, he says, trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Satan is called that old serpent in Revelation 12, 9. So don't miss, church, what John is telling us here. The, force, this, the forces of the fifth and sixth trumpets are demonic, not human. That's what I want to leave you with tonight. All right. The fourth reason, John emphasizes the horses more than the riders. The only weapon each rider has is his horse. In fact, put it this way, the horse is the weapon. Some have suggested that the horses represent modern weapons such as tanks. That's possible. But John's greatest purpose is not to emphasize the horses, the riders, or even death. His greatest purpose is to emphasize the fire, the smoke, and the sulfur that came out of their mouths causing death. Now, why fire, smoke, and sulfur? Because, point number five, the horses kill through fire, smoke, and sulfur. Fire, smoke, and sulfur are a characteristic of hell. All who take the mark of the Antichrist will be tormented with burning sulfur, it says in Revelation 14.10. The beast and the false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, according to Revelation 19.20. Finally, hallelujah, the devil himself is thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, Revelation 20, verse 10. And so through the fifth trumpet, God gives sinners a taste of hell. Did you catch that? He lets sinners feel the torment of locusts that live in the abyss. The locusts, you recall, lasted for five months on earth. But guess what? There's coming a day 
when that torment will last for all eternity, forever and ever in hell. In the sixth trumpet, I'm going to wind this up and dismiss you. I'm 715. In the sixth trumpet, again, earth receives, people receive a taste of hell. The fire and smoke and sulfur at the end, the fire, smoke, and sulfur that end at death on earth will last forever in hell. Therefore, the fifth and sixth trumpets introduce earth to the eternal torments of hell. Unless sinners repent, the torment, the temporary torments of the fifth and sixth judgments, trumpet judgments, will become permanent. And so what is God doing? God's giving people a taste of what to avoid. Once again, the trumpets, I've said this for weeks now, the trumpets, the judgments, the seals, is God's way of being merciful to mankind. But we also see the hardness of man's hearts, refusing to repent, which shows us how the devil has deceived them, how they, like the devil, are full of pride. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so therefore we conclude that the armies of the fifth and the sixth trumpets are demonic and not human. I close with that. If you want to read more comments, even about why Christians cannot be demon-possessed, read my Facebook post I put on today, because if the 144,000 are sealed and not and not tormented by the fifth trumpet, how, how, God's going to protect us, church. God's going to, we're, we're sealed with the Holy Ghost. And so, so uh, we're, we're not affected or possessed by the devil. Okay, and so enough for that. I've, I didn't get, I got to two points. That's pretty good. All right. Keep your outline. I'll probably, I'll redo it for next week. Um, but we're going to talk about chapters 10 and 11. Please read chapters 10 and 11, and we're going to talk about the mighty angel and the two witnesses. Again, a um, lot of speculation as to who the two witnesses are. You know, uh, Enoch, Elijah, Moses, uh, Joshua, Zerubbabel, you know. We'll, we'll get into all that next week because there's a lot of speculation and controversy. Bottom line is... We don't know, but we're going to see what happens. We're going to see how the people on earth rejoice once the, the enemy is, allow, is allowed to kill them. They lay in repose, if you will, for three and a half days. God breathes life into them, and everybody's shocked at all. It's, it's, a cool, it's, it's like a movie. I mean, read chapters 10 and 11. It's awesome. All right, I'm excited about God's Word. I hope you are too. Once again, I am so glad that I am on His side and He's on my side. I'm so glad that even though I don't know everything that's going to happen and even there's the seven, there's the seven thunders that are still, we don't know what other judgments there might be. We know God and we know that God has us in the palm of His hand. Amen? I'm done. I'm past my time. Get your kids, please.